Well, it's my deep desire and longing for us as a church family be that wherever we go, we're crowning him Lord of all, and others see us doing that. They see us doing that in how we interact with other people. They see us in our still quiet moments when they might catch a glimpse of our private lives. And they see that in how we interact with God himself, whether it be in our times of prayer uh, or just in how we spend time with the Lord. I read a book a few years ago. I I can't even remember the name of the book. I just remember the story. Uh, I guess the book itself wasn't as memorable. But it was talking about the idea of our deep need to cultivate a time of study and meditation upon God's Word. And the man that was speaking, or that was writing, uh, had arranged at one point in his life to meet with a mentor, a a spiritual uh, leader that he'd he'd grown to respect and trust. And so they were going to meet at a restaurant somewhere in North America and have breakfast together and talk about a few things. And the the young man that was going to seek counsel and, and going to spend time being mentored by someone he trusted a lot got there a few minutes early, and he noticed that the, his mentor was sitting in his car. So he thought, well, I'm early. I'll go over and let him know we're here, and we'll get started early. And so he walked over, and I guess this time of year you could sit in your car, and it wasn't so hot, and so the windows were up. And he knocked on the window... And the man didn't move, didn't even acknowledge that he'd heard anything. And the young man thought that was kind of strange. And he looked down and he saw the man had a Bible in his lap and he said, oh, that's great. But he knocked again. He said, well, maybe he just didn't understand that I'm here. And the man again did not acknowledge him at all. And so the young man went back and thought to himself, well, what do I do now? So he went inside and waited, and let's say the meeting was to be at 11 o'clock, and it was 10.50. He waited those 10 minutes, and sure enough, at 11 o'clock, the man gets out of his car and goes in and said, good morning, we'll call him Bob, how are you? And he said, well, I was here, I was waiting for you. And he said, well, I was in another more important meeting, and now I'm available. And he went on to explain throughout their next conversation and for months that followed in these meetings, he said, if I don't spend my time with the Lord, nothing else matters. And my time in the Word was more important than my time with you right now. That would come next. He said, because if I don't feast on the Word of the Lord, how can I help you grow? And I've remembered that story ever since. I read that book years ago. And I've remembered that because of the picture it paints of us, of what do we place value in in our lives? Where do we place our value? Like we talked about last week is this idea of our life gets filled up with all sorts of things. You know, it can get filled up with the events of the day, whatever they might be. It can get filled up with paperwork. It can get filled up with wonderful things like family. It can get filled up with great things like coffee. Uh, It can get filled up with all of these different wants and concerns, That all of which can be good things but they're not the best thing. And God invites us to a life with him, a life that is greater than a life we can orient on our own, 
a life that's dependent upon knowing him. One of the dangers the church of any generation faces is that we become a people that know a lot about God, but know him very little. That an actual relationship with him is very weak because we're too busy for that. Last week, we asked the question, how do we bring order into chaotic lives? And I, I shared with you one of the first commandments we read, and, uh, or further down the list, of honor this, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We were given a rhythm of life that includes resting and enjoying the presence of God, both corporately and individually. And my desire is that you did that this week. You found time. You're here with us this morning. You've freed up your schedules a little bit to enjoy God together with others. In regardless of situations, regardless of our best efforts to mess it up. You've begun to cultivate a rhythm of Sabbath. Of rest and dependence on the Lord. And this week, I can't think of anything more important to talk about then the idea of needing to cultivate a dependent relationship on the Lord himself through the study of his word. Dallas Willard says it like this. He says, in the spiritual discipline of study, we engage ourselves above all with the written and spoken word of God. We enter into a relationship with the living and active God that has given us his word. Well, Mike, what does that look like? I don't even understand. You know, in your Bible reading, you've got us in Ezekiel right now, and I've got to admit, I'm confused. Maybe you're in Ezekiel right now with me, and you wonder, why are the bones dry, and why are they coming up? And by the way, that's a great story, but that's not the one we're going to talk about. Why did Ezekiel have to eat the book? Why did he have to eat the scroll? Because even in that, Ezekiel and John in Revelation chapter 10 were giving these pictures of eating the very words of God that they become internalized and then are spoken out for others to hear and respond to. And both in Ezekiel and in the book of Revelation, we find that those words were sour to the prophets and the the apostles' tummies. Why? Because God was saying that our people have been rebellious and that judgment is coming. But you, his people, we are invited to literally feast on his word, to digest it. And I want to let you know that to digest the very word of God, to internalize it so that it overflows out of our mouth into every conversation, into every relationship, into every situation, It takes more than a couple minutes each day of doing this. Blah, 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 blah. Good. God, give me what I want. What I want to talk about this morning is what I believe the psalmist of Psalm 119 understood very well. I'm having some trouble with our presentation, so we're just going to give up. We're not even going to fight with it today. Uh, I would invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 119. And we're going to read verses 9 through 16. If you don't have a Bible or a digital device that has a Bible on it, please raise your hand. We have plenty in the back that we would love to provide you with. If you don't own a Bible, keep it. That's our gift to you. We would love to provide that. But Psalm 119, start, really the whole psalm is all about the wonder and the glory and the joy of knowing God's word and how that affects how we live. 
how God impacts how we live. And so I want to read you, starting with verse 9, what the psalmist writes. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Good question. Right off the bat, he poses a very practical question. By living according to your word. Young people and old people alike, and everyone in between, purity is a battle every day of our lives. Our eyes are inundated with images that we have no business seeing, whether it's in the MTR, whether it's on our televisions, wherever you find them. There are attacks on purity. People are telling things about other people and conversations are had. Where do we find purity? We find it in the word of God. And that's how the psalmist starts. How can a young man keep himself pure? By living according to your word. Listen to this part. I seek you with all my heart. God, don't let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a powerful picture there of what the response is when we actually internalize the word of God so much that we know it. Some call that memorization, which is a great idea. You're never too old to memorize scripture because we've got the Holy Spirit helping us and teaching us. And so you'd be surprised what you can memorize today, even if your, your brain has gotten harder than it was when you were a little kid. But he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, your word helps me to prevent sin entering my life. How great is that? When we camp out and feast on the Lord and his word, it helps prevent us from sin. It's as simple as that. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. In other words, I'm talking about your word. I'm going to tell other people what you have taught me. I'm going to teach it to others. I'm going to apply this to life. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Just as we were told last week about the Sabbath, do we find this to be a delight or do we find it to be a labor? What do I mean by that? Well, simply, I wonder if in our own spiritual growth, we find it very hard to make time to enjoy God's word? Or do we find ourselves on the other side where if we haven't spent time reading and studying and thinking of, meditating on God's word, we miss it. We long for it. I was up this morning and going over this message, and I remember just thinking how fun it was to read these verses over and over. Not just in the, the simple way of fun, like doing something that I enjoy doing, but even more that it was fulfilling. It was so great and life-giving to realize that God's promises are as true today as they were when this passage was written. It was so encouraging to me to read that from another human being that probably struggled with sin just as I do, 
He was saying, I delight in your word, Lord. And I am going to obey your law. I am going to live out your truths. With all my heart, I'm going to follow you. This was a person, whoever wrote this psalm, that longed to seek and savor the Lord and enjoy his words. That's a little different than one, just an academic pursuit of knowing God's Bible. Very important. We should study his word. But not only should we study his word, but in our study, we should move even one step beyond just studying to know facts, to meditating on it in such a way that it shapes how we live. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's found later in Psalm 119. But yet time and again in the church, people wonder, how do I know what the right thing to do is? Well, are we enjoying time in the word? Are we really focused on learning God's word and applying it to our lives? And that's what we're wrestled with time and again. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and reproof. And he goes through a list. And basically the point he's making is scripture is useful. It helps us know how to live. It's God's chosen tool along with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to shape us, to guide us, and to help us counsel others along the way. How great is that? Not only is God's word useful for you and me, but it's useful for us as we help each other and we support the community around us. Because what if somebody comes to you with a big problem that you just don't even know, begin to know how to handle? Where do we go? We go to the source to the very word of God, knowing that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for counseling, for reproof, for help when someone has slipped off the path. Remember what James 5 teaches us, that if someone's struggling, we do everything we can to bring them back onto the path. How do we know they're struggling? How can we know how to help them? We turn to God's word for guidance and how we correct them with grace and with truth, with compassion, but also with the reality of sin has consequences. And we do it with love and we know it because God's word has spelled it out for us. Eugene Peterson writes about just craving and actually eating the words of God. He goes off and he's explaining just how powerful an image it was for John in Revelation 10. And I'll read you those words in a minute. But to be given the very words of the scroll before only the lamb could be reading them. And now a second scroll is given and John is invited to open up the scroll and to read those words. And then literally take out a knife and fork or whatever they use then and eat them in this vision he was given to internalize them. And Eugene Peterson says this, he says, words spoken and listened to, written and read, are intended to do something in us, to give health and wholeness, vitality and holiness, wisdom and hope. Yes, 
eat this book. The authority of the Bible is immediately derived from the authorial presence of God. In other words, God gave us his scriptures. He oversaw every word that was written and spoken, and they are his. And the authority that is given in these scriptures is from God alone. Eat it. Dwell on it. Internalize it. So his words flow out of us. And for most of us, we would say, yeah, Mike, that makes sense. But I have a really hard time understanding scripture. I have a really difficult time quieting my mind enough to meditate on God's word and apply it to my life. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because the remainder of our time this morning, I'd like to present something that the church has been doing for over a thousand years. Really close to 2,000 years. And we've modified it a little bit and made it a little more modern. But back in the day, it was this thing called Lectio Divina. And back then, it was... A, a, a sequence of Greek and Latin words that meant read, think, pray, and live. Well, as we've moved on, uh, we've changed them, and a Bible study method has come out that I love because every day I want the Word of God to cover me, just like the bar of soap does that I use every morning in the shower. And so this, this method is called SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. They all work together to help us understand and grow in God's word as we learn together. And the amazing thing is about something, whatever it is, whether it, whether you call it Lectio Divina, where you slow down and you grab a passage and you read it, you think about it, you pray about it, and you live it out. Same idea. Or we study the scripture we observe what's going on in the context around it. We apply it to our lives and we pray to God that he would guide us in how we live this out. The idea is the same. It takes time in the word. It takes time for us to digest what God's word has to say. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So hopefully every one of you, if you haven't moved it already, you're sitting on a little sheet of paper that looks like this. These have become a family favorite in the Rose household. I designed this little worksheet for myself because I need to write something. That's how I remember things. So typing it out wasn't working. So I needed something that I could write. And so this came out of that. Then Members of our family started seeing it and they wanted to use it as well. Then some in our staff have started using it as well. And I want to take a few minutes and I want to show that, hey, we can do this with any passage of scripture. But if you give time and we slow down, it's amazing what God might reveal to us as we look at his word. So if we decide that, okay, Lord, my life is so chaotic, I don't have time not to spend it with you. Wherever you do that in your day. Sometimes maybe the best time you've got is at lunchtime. Maybe for you the best time is right before bed because everything's quiet then. Maybe it's in the morning before anyone's gotten up. Maybe it's all of the above. That's even better. Meditating on his word throughout the day. But where do we start? 
Well, if all scripture is God-breathed and useful, we must start with the scriptures. I believe one of the biggest mistakes we as Christians make is we start by telling the Bible what to tell us. And we go looking to find evidence to find what we want out of God. And therefore, we've already started by saying, we're up here and God, you're just going to fit into our box. It was March of 2000. Six or seven, when I was back in Minnesota visiting a professor friend of mine, and he asked me, "How's your time with the Lord, Ben?" And I, I said, "Well, you know, I've I've been enjoying reading the Bible." And he said, "That's not what I asked. Have you been letting God's Word read you?" And I thought about that for a second. I'd never heard anybody ask me a question like that. Have you let God's Word read you? And what he was asking. Was I, had I slowed down enough to let God's word speak to me through the work of the Holy Spirit and through his scriptures? Or was I rushing through it to get out whatever I could so I could move on to the next thing in my day? Was I letting God through his divinely given words speak into every area of my life? Again, Psalm 119 is our key is our key passage for today. How can a young person stay on the path? Back then I was younger. By living according to your word. We live according to God's word by first saying, God, your word is truth. Your word is right. And I'm not going to tell you what to tell me. I'm going to listen to you. So you'll see on the, the, the pages you've got in front of you, what I... What I I got from someone else is you take time reading and you allow God to speak to you. So if you're going through with us in our Bible reading, in the McShane reading plan, you're reading four chunks of scripture each day. And maybe you haven't gotten to all of them. That's okay. This is not meant to be a legalistic pursuit. But in reading, what I like to do, uh, now I've, I've grown up and I've become very electronic in my Bible reading. So this is my Bible. And so when I'm reading this Bible, I highlight the passages that jump out to me. And then when I'm done, I pick this up and I go back and I look at all the highlighted passages I've just read. And I say for just a moment, God, what are you showing me through these that have jumped out at me? And what I like to do, because again, it forces me to slow down and focus on his word, I write them down. Now, if it's a large chunk, maybe I write, don't write down the entire chapter, but I write down a key verse or two so that I have a record. And because I want you to know that I take this seriously, I brought some of them with me. And so each day I do one of these and I write it out so that I can remember what I've read. And I can look back weeks later and think, I should have known that. Or, wow, how could I have missed that before? Or I'm amazed at what God has shown me or what God continues to teach me. But I love the process of just writing down God's word. Because for me, that's become very effective at remembering it throughout the day and remembering it later. Now, maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe you'll spend so much time making sure the punctuation is right that you've missed the message. Fine. Find a way to slow down and meditate on the word. If it's not writing it out, read it out loud. Remember, when the author here was creating the Psalms to be sung, 
Very few people had access to the scrolls. So how did they learn? They listened to what someone was speaking to them and then they practiced and they memorized it and they said it out loud over and over to remember it. Do we do that? Maybe not so much anymore. Maybe that would really help us. Last year we heard from, uh, I, I lost his name, but the speaker from Faith Comes by Hearing. And how gift, how much of a gift it is to be able to hear the word of God. So maybe as you've read scripture, you go get the Faith Comes by Hearing app, Bible.is, and you download that, and you listen to the word of God spoken as you read along with it. My point is simple. However we do it, give time to focus first on the scripture before we jump into what it means for us. Hear the words of God and listen to them. And then observe what's going on. Often we'll read something and we'll pull it out and say, well, this matters to my life because it makes sense here. But do we understand the context of what was going on then? For us, when we read something like Psalm 119, we think, wow, the Bible is so great. But the author here wasn't referring to the same Bible that we would, was he? Or she? Depending on who wrote this, we don't know. The author here had the books of the Torah. Maybe even just the books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But they were craving the very law. So when when the author writes, I love your law, he's thinking Leviticus. When's the last time you said that about Leviticus? But you know, Christ shows up all through Leviticus. Christ shows up in the form of a scapegoat in what's done with the the goat that has to bear our sins. He shows up in the Passover lamb in Exodus. He shows up time and again in pointing to what God continues to do and telling his story. So what do we do as we've read the word of God, as we've slowed down and really thought about it, we observe what it's saying and what's going on. And one of the ways that an author before me and much smarter than me suggested was, go ahead and write that passage in your own words. Don't try to change the meaning, but write it in your words. There's nothing wrong with that. Before you get to application, write it out as it makes sense to you. And so if we're looking at Psalm 119 and I picked one verse, I would pick, oh, they're all so great. And I I wrote them all down earlier and I left that sheet at home. But verse 16 is the one that always strikes me. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. God, I love your word. It brings me great joy, even the hard stuff. And God, I'm not going to forget your word. I'm going to make time for your word. If I wrote it in my own words, that's what I would write. Maybe yours would look different. Maybe yours would use different words. But what if, again, we slowed down and we thought about the passage of Scripture and then we made it applicable in another way into our lives. Because that then leads us into God. Okay, you've shown me what's going on in the context that it was originally written. You've given me your words. 
And I've written those down or I've hidden those in my heart. I've observed those and I've thought about the context. Why was Jesus so angry that he would tip over the tables? Well, if you just read the verse that he's angry, you've missed that he was angry because his house was to be a house of prayer. And if we've missed that, we've missed what Jesus was really teaching the people that observed that. And so we have to take time to observe context. And so as we observe context, we begin to see this might be how it then applies to our lives. We don't jump straight to application. That's very dangerous because we can begin to make the Bible tell us what we want it to tell us rather than what's going on. This is a brief primer in what's called hermeneutics, the study of right understanding and application of God's word so that when we get to the application section, what do we do? God, this is what you've shown to me. This is what you've revealed to me today. Can you show me how this applies to my situation? Can you help me to slow down and consider what you might have me chew on today as I consider your words? For instance, Lord, I'm wrestling with purity. How can I keep my way pure when temptation is everywhere? When the only way I keep my job is if I cheat and I fudge these numbers. The only way that I can find to get what I want is to slander other people or to make sure that I put others down so that I am raised up. Lord, how can I keep my way pure when I'm so afraid that if I don't do that, others will gain and I will lose? Or God... How do I keep my way pure when so many people are living such lousy lives and they're doing great and I'm really struggling? We begin to ask the questions. And you know who can handle our honesty better than anyone else in the world? God. And so if Psalm 119.9 is the verse that I'm camping out on and I'm meditating on, I've read the whole passage. And the great thing about Psalm 119 is it's based on the Hebrew alphabet. So each is a section. Normally I would say be careful of reading just the the man-made sections they are because you might miss the context. But in Psalm 119, the context is in each section and they progress through the Hebrew alphabet. It's a great, great poetry, great, beautiful imagery that God gave the writer of Psalm 119. So when you read that section, you know right away the author is wrestling with keeping a young man pure. How do I do it? God, I need your word. So if I'm wrestling with purity, Lord, today, would you guide me to your word when I'm tempted to go a different direction? And then we begin to think, and this is where it takes brutal honesty, and this is why I think it's a healthy thing to write things down. You don't have to go around showing it, but you put it on paper so that you come back to it when you need a reminder. God, when everybody goes to bed, my computer goes off. I'm going to eliminate temptation from my life in that way. God, when those people say those things about others, I'm not going to join in. I'm going to retreat. I'm going to do what your word teaches me. I'm going to step away and pray. God, when I go through difficult times, this is how I'm going to turn to you. And you write it down. You look at God's word and what he's shown. He said... Listen to this. I have hidden your word in my heart. Well, if your word is going to help me stay pure, Lord, then I need to hide your word in my heart. 
And so I'm going to apply that by this week. I'm going to memorize this passage. And each day I'm going to work on a little bit of it. But Mike, that's like eight verses. You're telling me you don't already know the words to about a million songs? Or you don't remember a lot of a TV show or famous movies or you get the idea. When I was a kid, I'll never forget because my my mom used it against me. And I like to tell stories that are transparent. So I wasn't a kid. I guess I was an early teenager. But my favorite movie was a movie featuring Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. And it's truly a cinematic masterpiece of movies. It's called Top Gun. It's about flying. And it was my generation. Everything that was right with America was made in that movie. There was volleyball. There was fighter planes. All of that. And I'm not going to get into it. But I watched that movie probably two or three times a week. <laughs> I, was a, I was a nerd. Still am. And the point got to where if someone will start on a Top Gun quoting spree, I could probably even today quote most of the movie. Did I spend time trying to memorize when Maverick tells Iceman, you can be my wingman anytime? No. I spent so much time on the movie that those words just became second nature to me. Amazingly, I feel the need, the need for speed. I could go on and on. The quotes will not stop. Could the same be said about my delight in this? Do I delight so much in this that at any given time I can give you a quote, not because I'm Pastor Mike, but because I love God's word so much that it overflows out of me, that I have eaten his word, knowing that it's useful for all situations, that I've spent time meditating on it and seeking to live it out, that I've allowed God to refine me, and I've even taken the time, a discipline that I'm needing to cultivate, of not just studying it, but meditating on it. And as God reveals to me, I'm writing down how he's shaping me, even if it's the painful stuff. So that my way is kept pure. My affections are first and foremost on the Lord. And that then, as I walk out into this world, I can give people the life-giving love of Jesus Christ that we find in Scripture. Do we love God's Word so much that we delight in Him, knowing that ultimately He is the Word? Remember, I am the Word. John 1.1 says it like this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And this is all referring to Jesus Christ, talking about the Logos, the very Word of God given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That when He left this earth and He ascended to heaven, He gave us the Holy Spirit as a counselor, as a teacher, that as we spend time here, He will open our eyes and our hearts more and more to what he's already given us and how he will use it in our lives to shape us, to develop us, and to help us be light for other people to see him at work in us. 
The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. But it's not useful if it stays in its sheath. It's not useful if we don't let God's word read us. It's not useful if the chaos of the day covers up and everything gets put on top of it. And we think, I'll get to it tomorrow. You see, if we want to bring order into chaotic lives, we must feast on the word of God. We must enjoy studying his scriptures, observing what he was doing when he gave those scriptures to his authors, applying it to what that looks like for us today and praying, God, have your way with me as I live out the truth of your word. My prayer would be that we are a people of the word, that we don't just read it out of discipline. I want you to read it out of discipline. But as we do, we let him change our hearts. We let him shape us so that we can say the same thing the psalmist did. We pull the Bible out from under the covers of everything else in our life. And we can say with all confidence, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. God, I'm as happy about your word as I would be if you gave me a billion dollars. Do we say that? Do we mean that here? If I had to choose between a billion dollars and the word of God, right now I'm thinking a billion dollars would be awesome. But when I look back in eternity, nothing would compare with the word of God. The billion dollars that comes and goes. Knowing me, I'd spend it on toys. But the word of God is living and active. Useful in season and out of season. So church, I want to invite you Don't turn the Bible into just an academic pursuit. Enjoy time with the Lord as he teaches you his word. Enjoy his presence as he opens your eyes to what he's been teaching the church for thousands of years. And then as he reveals it new to you each day. But don't stop there. Go back and remember what he taught us in Deuteronomy 6 that talk about his word when we rise and when we sleep and when we're sitting at the dinner table and when we're walking or driving. In other words, talk about his word all the time. Let others know what you're learning and what a delight it is to grow in him. Because, you know, the scriptures teach us us that as we let this little light of mine shine out, and amazing things happen. People see Christ in us, the hope of glory, and they begin to respond to the loving invitation that we have given them in Jesus Christ. And they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this week I get to tell you of three of those situations. Last Sunday, Sunday, Monday, one of our ladies was meeting with a a young woman in our church and was able to pray, tell her about the good news of Jesus Christ. How did she know about the good news of Jesus Christ? She'd read the word of God. 
And it had been hidden in her heart. And she knew by the power of the Holy Spirit what to say. And that young woman believed in Jesus. Didn't believe in the woman. Believed in Jesus Christ and accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Another uh, newer family to our church uh, had an unfortunate event where uh, the wife's father uh, took a very long fall and was severely injured. And so this weekend she'd flown to be with him up in uh, northern China. And I was told this morning, so this must have just happened, right? Uh, that the the woman was sitting with her dad, telling him about the love of Jesus and he prayed to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Not only that, but so did her brother. How amazing. Yes, thank you. Somebody, this is exciting. This should stir us to understand that God's word is alive. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And God became flesh and made his dwelling among us and showed us there's a better way to live and gave us a way, a love letter, a guide so that we can see what God's good and perfect will is and how to live it out. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and we'll get to keep lighting that candle as we apply his word to every area of our lives. God will use us to show his light to others. Life might be chaotic, but it's so chaotic that we don't have time not to enjoy his word. So this week, wash yourself in some soap. If you've got another Bible study meeting, by all means, use that. This is just one tool to help us slow down and enjoy the word of God. There are many ways to do that. The important thing is time in the word. Time that we let God transform us. So let's enjoy the word of the Lord together this week, next week, and for the rest of our lives. And let him order all the details of the day. Lord, you are so good. I love that your love endures forever. I love that your ways are as true today as they were 2,000 years ago. I love that you have given us your word that teaches us, that shows us your greatness, even a glimpse of that, that shows us what it means to live in the light of your glorious mercy and grace. God, may we be people of your word, rightly reasoning with others, letting them see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Help us to be a people that's able to say with all confidence, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, if we have sinned, please forgive us. May we not be so arrogant that we think we don't need forgiveness. But as we read your word, humble us and remind us of the great grace you gave us through Jesus Christ. And help us to give that same grace away as you've shown us to do as ministers of reconciliation. Lord, you are so good. Your love endures forever. Amen.